So we're in a series right now that we're calling Ask Me Anything, and we're tackling some of these uh, tough questions. My name is Darcy, one of the pastors here at Generations, if you don't know who I am. And I've been away for a couple of weeks, and uh, yeah, I needed a break from you. This is true. Uh, But no, seriously, so excited to be back this morning. We missed you guys, so glad to be here and excited to be uh, jumping into the next part of this series. Pastor Dallas kicked it off last week with... uh, Probably talking about the biggest question of all, uh, does God really exist? And I encourage you to to go on the web or whatever and check that out um, because it's a a great question. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be tackling some of the other, you know, hard questions that that maybe we are uncomfortable asking or or, or maybe, you know, don't feel that this is maybe an appropriate place. But uh, we're going to ask things like, you know, hasn't science disproved Christianity? Um, or how can hell be real? I mean, hell? Like, seriously? What about that? Um, or how do I know Jesus really existed? What, what about the historical Jesus? And so we're going to be asking some of those really important questions because, friends, we need to understand that some of us have huge questions about this. Especially if, you, if you're just kind of here checking out Christianity or, or checking out what church is all about. Man, I want you to know we are glad that you're here. I think that's awesome. And if you've got questions, man, that's great. This is, this is the place to ask those uh, kind of questions. Or, or maybe you've decided to follow Jesus and you're kind of on that spiritual journey, but you've still got some of these nagging questions that kind of are there in the back of your mind that are just kind of still tangled up. And, and so hoping that this series is going to help you or, or maybe uh, you've got family or friends that don't believe and they're kind of bugging you because you have decided to believe in Jesus. And, and so they kind of keep throwing these questions at you and they're like hand grenades to your faith. And so it's like we, we want to just kind of think through and talk about some of this stuff to help you. Or maybe you're here this morning and say, well, pastor, these really aren't my questions. Well, you know what? I'm hoping that you're going to be in a conversation very shortly where you're going to end up talking about this kind of stuff because you're going to talk to your friends or your neighbors and you're going to get into some of these spiritual conversations. And so um, I really think that this is important stuff uh, that we need to talk about and, and think through. So this morning, we're going to jump into one of these questions that I think is really important if you live in Canada in 2018. Does anybody live in Canada in 2018? A few of you? Uh, Anybody cheering for Team Canada at the Olympics? A few? Okay, the rest of you are cheering for Team Sweden. I know that, but uh, okay. So the question this morning is, is Christianity the real deal? Is Christianity the only true religion? I mean, can Christianity be right and everybody else wrong? Really? Really? We were in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, and, and one of the things that we did uh, was drive by the, the house where we used to live in Richmond. We, we lived in, in Richmond just across the Ninth Street Bridge from, from the south side of Vancouver, and uh, it was just neat to kind of drive by the old, have you done that? Drive by the old neighborhood, you know, check the place out, and so we drove by our house, and just around the corner, we drove by the school where the girls used to go, and it was a cool school because the, the front pillars of the school, they had these crayons. They were colored up like crayons, and so I was really pleased to see the crayons were still there. And so it was fun to be in the old neighborhood. And it reminded me of a 
conversation I had that is still very vivid uh, in my mind. Uh, when we lived there, there was a small exercise room in the complex that uh, I tried to make use of. Uh, you can tell, right? Yeah, I didn't make enough use of it, obviously. But uh, So I would go over to the exercise room and, 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 and work out a little bit. And, and uh, every time I'd been there, I'd always been by myself. So one day I walked in there, and I was very surprised to find that somebody was already there. And it was one of our neighbors. Her name was Bev. Uh, her son actually was in the same class as our daughter at, at the school just around the corner. So we'd gotten to know Bev a little bit. And, and so I jump on the exercise bike, and, and I'm listening to my Walkman. Uh, Yes, I'm that old. Uh, I'm listening to my, my Walkman, and um, it's, it's kind of like a, a CD player, but used cassette tapes. And a tape is a thing that, oh, never mind. Um, you can go to the museum and check it out later. So I'm listening to my Walkman, and uh, Bev says, hey, what, what, what music are you listening to? And I said, well, actually, I'm not listening to music. I'm listening to a teaching tape. And again, translation would be podcast, okay? Just, it's a, kind of a podcast. So she says, well, what kind of a teaching tape? And I said, well, it's a teaching tape about discipleship, um, how we can help people in their walk with God. And that question that she asked me opened up a great conversation about spirituality. And in fact, Bev told me a story about when she had been invited to a mom's morning out uh, which was held at one of the neighborhood churches. A friend had invited her to come, so she'd gone to this mom's morning out, and she said that at one point in the morning, they were having a small group Bible study at their table, and they got talking about Jesus and how Jesus is the only one who can save us from our sins. And she says as they got talking about that, she just couldn't believe that everybody was sitting around the table just kind of nodding their head in agreement just kind of glibly towing the party line and going along with all of that. And finally she said, you know what? I just couldn't take it anymore. And I said, how can you claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to God? How can you tell me that the Chinese family that, that lives beside me or the, the Indian family that, that lives across the road from me is going to hell just because they don't agree with you? And I mean, remember, we, we lived in Richmond, just off of Number 5 Road. Have you been down Number 5 Road? Number 5 Road in Richmond has got every major religion on earth. There's, there's a Catholic church, there's a Baptist church, there's a Sikh temple, there's a, a Muslim mosque, there's a Buddhist, couple of Buddhist temples, then just off of 5 Road, there's a, there's a big Mormon church, and there's a, a Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's. I mean, everything is on that street. It is all there. That was, that was where we lived. That was our neighborhood. And she says, how can you tell me that all those good people are going to hell just because they don't agree with you? says, it's like you're better than everyone else that doesn't believe like you do. And Bev said that when she said that, suddenly the Bible study got really quiet. And she said, everyone was uncomfortable because I was just kind of threatening their pat answers and, and I was ruining their Bible study. Now you need to know something about Bev. Um, she was Caucasian, she was Canadian, she certainly wasn't a stranger to church or Christianity, and in fact, her father was a pastor. And if you asked her if she was a Christian, she probably would have said, yes, I am a Christian. 
But she said, I just get so furious at people who call themselves Christian, but are so exclusionist and intolerant in their thinking. Have you ever had that kind of conversation? It's, it's a little um, interesting, unnerving, unsettling, isn't it? When, when you get somebody that just is kind of coming at you like that, or maybe you're listening to that story and you're going, Darce, um, your friend Bev actually has a pretty good point. You know, why do so many Christians get hung up on this idea that Jesus is the only way to God? I, I mean, like, really? Come on. So this morning, we want to look at this. And one thing that we need to start with and understand is that Christianity is controversial. Christianity is controversial. It has always been controversial. It always will be controversial. And that only makes sense is because the key person in Christianity is perhaps the most controversial person that ever lived. His name is Jesus. And yeah, we kind of have this idea that Jesus was a nice guy, but Jesus often surprised people with teachings that cut across the grain of human nature, that cut across the grain of popular opinion, that certainly cut across the grain of religious tradition. And though people kind of had this general impression that Jesus was a really nice guy, have you actually looked at what he said? Because he said some pretty controversial stuff. Maybe the most controversial sentence he ever uttered was found in John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and that, that sounds really warm and fuzzy. But then he says this, no one can come to the Father except through me. Well, that claim rankled people like nothing else. I mean, it really, it, Jesus basically took the stick and stuck it in the hornet's nest with that one. In fact, it was talked like that that got him killed. And you know, that conversation, that talk still rankles people today. I mean, in our tolerant, pluralistic, inclusivist, Canadian culture, it's just not cool to talk like that. You can't say that. I mean, what was Jesus thinking? How can anyone claim that he's the one and only way to God? Yet that's what Jesus said. And that's what his disciples understood him to say. Because you go a few chapters later, you get into the book of Acts, which is the story of the, of the early Christians, the, the early church. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter and John, the disciples of Jesus, said this. They're talking about Jesus. When they say this, they said, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And you read through the Gospels, what Jesus said, and you read through the rest of the New Testament, the, the writing of the early church leaders, and you find them talking again and again about the fact that you have to be saved. You have to be born again. You have to have your sins forgiven. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. So according to Jesus, and according to the earliest followers of Jesus, Christianity is understood as the only way to God. But... Intelligent thinking people push back on that idea. 
They did back then and they, they do today. They would say, you know what? That kind of thinking actually is wrong. At best, it's uninformed and unkind. And at worst, it's, it's actually dangerous. Oprah Winfrey, theologian, says this. One of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to God. That's what Oprah would say, and, and, and she would have a lot of people that would agree with, with that comment. Well, here's another one from, from Rabbi Shrumley Abotich, and, and, and he says this. I'm absolutely against any religion that says that one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. And he goes on to say, it's a way of saying that we're closer to God than somebody else, and that's what leads to hatred. He says, it's that kind of thinking that, that leads to war. It's, it's that kind of thinking that, that leads to all kinds of evil and disrest in this world. Well, here's something that I think it's important for us to understand. I think this philosophy of inclusivism, you know, this idea that all religions are basically good and all religions are basically true, generally really does from a place, come from a place of good intentions. You know, atheism is the idea that all religions are false. Inclusivism is the idea that all religions are true. And so this idea of inclusivism, I think, generally comes from, from some good intentions. Uh, we live in a pluralistic culture. There's people from all over the world uh, living around us and with us. We've got neighbors. Uh, we've got coworkers. Uh, we've got friends who are of different faiths and different lifestyles. And you know what? They're good people. They, they are good. They're wonderful people. They're kind they're generous, they're great people they have as friends and neighbors, and we want to get along with them. We need to get along with them. We want this nation of Canada to, to, to be a, a peaceful place where we can coexist and, and we can build great community and be a great country. Absolutely. So in the multicultural mosaic that is Canada, where we embrace this pluralism and embrace this ethnic diversity, how can you follow a guy who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me? It's a good question. So let's start by tackling some popular Canadian ideas about religion. Uh, these are some, some common thoughts. Firstly, a lot of Canadians think that Christianity is the only religion that claims exclusivity. You know, in a lot of ways, it's the Christians that kind of have the targets on their back. Now, I understand the last few years, because of what's happened in our world, uh, people aren't necessarily that fond of Muslims either. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's really Christians that, especially in, in our universities and in our higher levels of education, among the elite, it's Christians that really have been, been the, the, the target. But do you know that Christians are not the only people that claim some level of exclusivity in their faith. Muslims also are exclusivist. You have to be Muslim, they would say, for hope of paradise. In fact, 
their exclusivity is not just theological, it's also linguistic. They believe that Arabic is the language of heaven. In fact, they would say that the angel Gabriel dictated the Quran to, to the prophet Muhammad in Arabic, and actually to translate it into any other language, you kind of lose what maybe the best way I can describe it is kind of the, the anointing on the scripture. That if you really want the, the, the Quran in, in the way that, that is powerful, you've got to read it in Arabic because that's the language of heaven. You know what? That's pretty exclusive. Or what about Hinduism? Well, you get into Hinduism and you'll find that they're pretty inflexible about things like karma and reincarnation. And the ultimate authority for them is, is the Vedas, so their four holy books, and, and they say this is what you need to believe. And Buddhism actually came out of Hinduism as a, as a reaction to that, and, and, and Buddhism rejects the Vedas as authoritative and, and says that Hinduism is wrong. And then Sikhism came out of Buddhism and Hinduism and said, no, 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 both Hinduism and Buddhism is wrong. And then, of course, in our culture, there's the atheists that think they're right and everybody else is wrong. In fact, maybe the only religion that comes close to embracing all religions is the Baha'i faith. But even the Baha'is exclude the exclusivists. (laughs) It's just the way that it is. It's impossible to find a worldview that isn't exclusivist in some way. In fact, by trying to be inclusive, you actually become exclusive. Do you you understand that? So this idea that Christians are alone kind of in their arrogance because they are exclusivist ignores the reality that just about every other major religion makes the same claim. Basically, you know what? People believe what they believe and they believe that they're right. That's how it works. It's really only people that kind of have that, that smorgasbord spirituality. Boy, I'm really picking on the Swedes this morning. Isn't that kind of a sweetest word? Smorgasbord? Smorgasbord. Um, you know, where, where, they, where they, they, they like, and they're going to pick something from here and pick something from there. And that, you know, this is what I believe, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. But the problem is with that is that when you drill down into that worldview, it is not very cohesive. It just doesn't really make a, a whole lot of sense. So Christians aren't the only ones that kind of have that exclusive concept of, hey, you know, our way is the truth. Our way is right. But again, there's pushback to that. As Canadians, a lot of people would say, well, what people in those exclusivist religions don't understand is that actually all religions teach the same thing. They all basically believe the same thing. You know, there might be some surface level distinctions, but if you strip it all down to their essentials, they're really all teaching the same thing anyways. They're just using maybe different language or different uh, images or expressions or, or different traditions to express very similar beliefs. Well, do all religions basically teach the same thing? You know, actually, that's a very interesting question. Because at some level, there is a lot of common ground among the world's religions. Especially when it comes to 
kind of the basic values and beliefs about morality. Most religions would say, hey, you know what? Murder is wrong. Most religions would say marriage is right and and adultery is wrong. Most of the world religions would say things like like abortion and and alternative lifestyle, uh, homosexual lifestyle, that's not right. And so there would be a lot of agreement on that sort of stuff. And and in this huge area of common ground, uh, that's a place where people of different faiths can work together to address issues in society. And, and we do that all the time. It's, it's really an important thing in a country like ours in Canada where, where we can work, even though you know, we may disagree on some other stuff, but we have these common values and so we can work together based on, on those values. One of the issues that we're dealing right now in, in Canada with is uh, Canada's summer jobs grants. And I don't know if you've been following this at all in, in, in the news but uh, every summer for years, Generations Church has gotten a grant from the government to hire a, a high school or university student, uh, one or two of them, uh, over the summer months. And so the government actually gives us a grant to be able to hire somebody, and we bring them on, on staff with us, and, and they, they help us with a lot of our, our summer programming. So, so we've had that for as long as, as I can remember. But now, this year, the government is saying that if your organization is opposed to things like abortion or or same-sex marriage or is unwilling to endorse abortion or or same-sex marriage, things like that. You know what? That's really un-Canadian and you don't qualify for a grant. And so we just got word back, uh, I think it was on Friday, that, you know, our application has been rejected along with every other Christian church in town because we've been been talking about this. And, And so... As Christian organizations, we're working together. We're, our church is part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And so we're working with other Christian organizations like the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada and the Canadian Council of Christian Charities and stuff like that to, to come up with a strategy that, that we can work with the government to, to, to address this. And, and not only are we working with other Christian organizations, but we're working with organizations of other faiths who actually are on the same page with us. And so we're working together to address this issue uh, in, in our nation. And you know, we're glad to do that. that. That's a good thing. That's an important thing. We've, in fact, we would say that is a reflection of Canadian values. Um, accepting people's rights to believe what they believe is, is a Canadian value. Protecting people's rights to believe whatever they believe is a Canadian value. Supporting them, a structure so that they can continue to do that is important. You know, I think it was, was it last week or the week before that we had the anniversary of that uh, terrible shooting in Quebec in, 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 in the, that, that mosque that was there where, where a number of people were killed, uh, uh, many, many were injured, and I don't remember that story, but you know, that was just an awful, horrible thing. And friends, as Christians, that's something that we need to be, be very grieved about, very concerned about. We need to understand that any attack on a house of prayer in our nation is attack on every house of prayer. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's a mosque or whether it's a, a Sikh temple or whether it's a Jewish synagogue or whether it's a Catholic church. Or, or a Protestant church like we are, if somebody is, is having something of violence against them or, or hatred against them, that, that is an attack on all of us. And in Canada, we value and protect people to believe and practice their faith. 
That's important. Absolutely important. But here's the important distinction. While we fight for people's rights to say and, and live what they believe, we don't have to agree with them. We don't have to agree. We don't have to say that they're right. We don't have to say that it's true. But it is incredibly important that, that, that we fight for them to stand up for what they believe. And in the same way, expect that they would honor us in that fashion as well. So that's just a really a, a Canadian value. But getting back to this idea, do, do religions basically teach the, the, the same thing? I like what Steve Turner said. He said, we believe that all religions are basically the same. They all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. Other than that, it's all good. In fact, most of the ideas that Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and Mormons and Christians have about God and sin and salvation contradict each other. Allah is the supreme being for the Muslim faith, but their understanding of God is very different from the Christian understanding of God in God's character and attributes. Uh, Hinduism has over 330,000 gods. Buddhism, on the other hand, has nothing that is even close to a personal being as God. Judaism says there's only one eternal God who created the heavens and the earth. And as Christians, we would agree completely with that, but we would also say that this one God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And he lived a sinless life and he died for our sins and he rose from the dead. And Judaism would have problems with that. And Muslims would have problems with that. In fact, Muslims believe in Jesus, but they believe in him as, I guess, kind of a secondary prophet. And they certainly would deny that he died for our sins. So I, I think the one thing you can say about world religions is that they don't teach the same thing. And actually, to just kind of lump them together is to ignore what they actually do believe. So Canadians would say, all right, well, let me, let me push back. They may not teach the same thing, but it really doesn't matter because what they do teach all leads to the same place anyway. All religions lead to God. You know, we, we just can't see it. There are many different paths to God. That, that is a very Canadian concept. Maybe you've heard the story of the blind men and the elephants. It's a story, I think, that originated in India. It was made famous as a poem by John Godfrey Sachs. And basically, it's about these six blind men who went to see an elephant. And, and so one touched the elephant's side and said, oh, the elephant is like a wall. And one grabbed the elephant by the tail and said, oh, the elephant's like a rope. And one grabbed his leg and said, oh, the elephant's like a tree. You know, one grabbed the trunk. Oh, the elephant's like a snake. And, and that story is told to, to say, you, you know what? 
they just have different perspectives on the same animal. Are any of them really wrong? No, no, no. They just got different perspectives. And so teachers in religion classes and philosophy classes use that story to illustrate the need for religious tolerance and, and to show how people you know, form their reality based on their limited perspectives and experiences. You know, that, that's where we, we get our belief systems, just kind of on this limited perspective. And, and some would say that it actually shows that each religious faith holds truths that make up one part of God. But that each in his blindness is just describing one part of the same thing. Well, does this philosophic analogy really demonstrate that all religions lead to God? Now, I don't want to get into a bunch of uh, philosophical uh, gymnastics here this morning. Uh, I'm not smart enough for that. Some of you, this is, this is your field. You, you, you get this better than I do. You know, there's an old proverb that says it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. Um, but, but here's what I do think. Uh, on the surface, this story does seem compelling. It does seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, yes, maybe all religions could really lead to God, but when you dig a little bit deeper, I think there are some issues. And the first that comes to my mind is that it seems to me that instead of arguing for religious pluralism, it actually argues against it. Because all the guys in the story are actually wrong. An elephant is not a snake. It's not a, it's not a rope. It's not a tree. It's not a wall. An elephant is an elephant. And unless you kind of get the whole picture, you don't have a sweet clue about what an elephant is. And, and so all of these guys are actually wrong. And it would seem to me that this story would illustrate that religions actually are false, not true. The second thing that kind of hits me when I think about this is that we know the blind men are really touching an elephant. I mean, we're on the outside of the story looking in and, and us in our enlightened wisdom can alone see the truth. Yes, it's really an elephant because we see the whole elephant. We've got the big picture. So what we're really saying when we use that story to, to talk about religious pluralism is that all the great religions of the world are wrong and we're right. And to me, that just kind of smacks of a little bit of intellectual dishonesty. It comes across as perhaps slightly presumptuous. You know that we know the truth and everybody else is blind. But it does bring us to the issue of truth and facts and reality. And, and this is kind of the, the third thing that comes to my mind as I, as I think about this, is the reality and the existence and the nature of God something that is just a matter of perspective and opinion? Or is there a reality, a truth, that overrules all of that? I mean, is, is God something that I can kind of make up and envision? Or is God someone who is and I need to understand? 
Could it be that the reality of God is in fact something that goes beyond opinion, something that goes beyond belief? And what matters is not what I believe about God, but what really matters is who God really is. I mean, God is. And because God is, maybe not all of the teaching and all the ideas and all the perspectives and all the opinions about God are equally true or equally valid. Because do what people believe about God actually line up with reality about who God actually is? Of course, that leads us to the $10 billion question. If all paths don't lead to God, how do we know which one does? (laughs) And friends, I think this is where we need to consider the claims of Jesus in the Bible. And and just to fully disclose my bias, if you haven't figured it out already, um, I would say that Christianity offers the most reasonable and the most compelling and cohesive view of God and the world and of the human condition. And I believe that it's as we look at Jesus, we begin to understand who God is. Now, of course, to do that, we need to know if we can trust what the Bible says. And so we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. We also need to know if this guy, Jesus, was actually a historical person You know, not just a myth or or a a good idea or a a legend. So we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But this morning, let me finish with this. The reason Christianity gets nailed with this exclusivist label is because Jesus Christ is unique among all religious leaders in history. Because Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. The only spiritual leader that made that claim. Jesus claimed to be the definitive revelation of God. How do you know what God is like? Jesus says, look at me. Look at me. Very, very unique claim. In fact, the people who watched Jesus do all these miracles and who listened to his teaching, they they thought, well, that's pretty cool. But then they would get deeply offended by his clear statements about his deity. In John 10, 30, Jesus says, talking about God, he says, the Father and I are one. In John 14, verse 9, Jesus replied, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He says, hey, you want to know what God looks like? Look at me. You want to understand God's character? Look at me. What God thinks of people and thinks of the world? Listen to what I say. In fact, that verse is found in the same conversation where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus was unequivocal. He was extremely clear. And you look at that and you go, why would Jesus say that? And friends, exploring the possibilities of why Jesus would say that, I I think is crucial because there's limited options. Number one, Jesus would say that maybe because he was genuinely a good person, but he was deluded. You know, he really didn't understand what he was saying. He was sincere, he's a good guy, but you know what? He was sincerely wrong. He believed that he was the son of God, but he wasn't. Well, in other words, you're saying that Jesus was mentally ill. He was delusional. That's an option. Another thing you could say about what Jesus says there is that maybe Jesus 
really knew he wasn't God, but he went around telling people that anyway, uh, just so that they would become good people. He was intentionally misleading his followers and the world. Well, when you think about that one, you know what? That doesn't make Jesus a good person. (laughs) That that makes Jesus kind of a sinister person, intentionally misleading people. And you say, well, well, maybe it wasn't Jesus. Maybe Jesus never said that. Maybe his followers are just putting words into his mouth. And they're actually the ones that are lying. Well, that idea doesn't stand up to scrutiny. We don't have time to get into that this morning, but, but that, that doesn't make sense either when you actually dig down into it. The only other option is this, that maybe Jesus said who he said he was because that's who he was. Perhaps he made these radical statements because they were real. And they were true. In other words, that Jesus was and Jesus is the way to God. Friends, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, you need to understand that in some very significant ways, Christianity is unique among the religions of the world. It's unique because its primary leader, Jesus, claimed to be God in the flesh. Christianity is unique because its primary leader, Jesus, claimed to be the only Savior of the world. It's unique because it teaches that its primary leader, Jesus Christ, was born of a virgin and performed miracles and lived a sinless life and died an unjust death so that we can be forgiven and saved and then physically rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and has promised to return to save his own and judge the world. Very, very unique, unique claims. No other religion makes those claims about its primary leader. Jesus is unique. And it's Jesus himself that has invited us to believe in him. And if we want our search for God to be satisfied, if we want our search to be for reality to be satisfied, Jesus says, come to me. Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. He said, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, come to me. Allow me to satisfy your spiritual hunger. Come to me. Allow me to satisfy your spiritual thirst. So that damn in this very poorly equipped, rather smelly little exercise room in our complex. And I'm pedaling my exercise bike, and (laughs) my friend Bev says, I just get so furious at people who call themselves Christians but are so exclusivist and and intolerant in their thinking. I mean, what about all the good people who disagree? And I'm pedaling there, and I'm just sweating. It's a good thing I was on the bike. Sweating was appropriate. I'm just kind of praying in my, in my heart, oh, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. And, and finally I said, you know, Bev, I don't believe that I'm better than anybody else. I agree that there's so many wonderful, good people around us. But ultimately, I do believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. And, and I'd be misrepresenting Jesus if I told you otherwise. And ultimately, you know what? It's not about being a good person. It's about being forgiven. It's about believing that Jesus is Savior and that he is Lord. 
And I found that he satisfies. Friends, how we say that is crucial. We need to say that with love, with humility. But we also need to say it with boldness, with this unapologetic sense that we actually believe what we're saying. And friends, we can't just say it with words. We've got to say it with our lives. We just can't say it from this pulpit here on a Sunday morning. We've got to walk out into our community and say it with how we live as a blessing to those around us. So what about you this morning? Do you believe what Jesus said about himself? Do you believe that Jesus is the way? Friends, Jesus is here right now. He is real. He's He's speaking to your hearts. He's the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's, he's the bread of life. He is the living water. And if you have never opened your life up to him, I would challenge you to consider the claims that he makes about himself. And I would invite you to believe. Can we pray? God, I am so thankful that our faith, the Christian faith, isn't afraid of the hard questions. Lord, that we can bring our our doubts and our questions and actually have a conversation where we work through some of this really challenging stuff. And God, I pray for the people that are here in this room this morning that maybe what I've said, ah, it's maybe stirred some stuff up or uh, maybe isn't very satisfying. God, I I pray that you would just help them to stay curious, as as Pastor Dallas said last week, that they just... (laughs) get on that curiosity street and keep asking the questions and keep having the conversations and really truly consider the claims of what Jesus says. And Lord, as we continue to walk through these series, the series in the next few weeks, that, that we'd be able to, to really think through about what we do believe. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're active in our lives, working on our hearts from the inside out. And you can make real to us who Jesus is. And so God, I ask you to do that for every person in this room here this morning. Holy Spirit, would you just come alive in our hearts and that we would know, that we would know, that we would know that there's a God who loves us, who cares. His name is Jesus. If you're here this morning and there's something going on in your life that you'd like us to pray with you about, our prayer team is going to come and we would love to do that. Don't leave here this morning carrying something that, that, that we can't at least encourage you about. That's why we gather as a church. So, so that's going to happen here. Otherwise, friends, our, our service is dismissed. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, don't forget to pick up your kids. Uh, and let's just go out there and be a blessing to the people around us. Amen. God bless you.